Jesus, we thank you for a wonderful day, Lord, a beautiful day you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you would bless all the moms here, God, all the mothers here, all, each one who's represented, each one, Lord, that you would really touch them and give them a great day as we honor them and we give them praise, Lord. Lord, may we warm their hearts, God, with just our attention upon them. And I pray that they would feel like they are important and know what, how we feel by how we treat them. So, Lord, we also ask that you bless your word. God, may you speak to us. May you anoint it with your Holy Spirit. And God, as we come to you this morning, Lord, help us to understand your principles and help your word to build a foundation to our faith. So, God, we look to you. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And we ask for your anointing by your spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a story of a monastery in Portugal perched high on a 3,000-foot cliff. It was only accessible by going up in a swaying basket. The basket is pulled with a single rope by several strong men. Once an American tourist went to visit the site, he got in a basket with one of the monks. Halfway up, the tourist got nervous for he noticed the rope looked old and frayed. Hoping to relieve his fear, he asked the monk, How often do you change the rope? Well, the monk casually replied, Oh, whenever it breaks. Well, that really helps, right? Well, maybe it's time to come up with a new system to maybe even make the place a little more accessible. Well, as we continue our study in Hebrews, the writer shows that with Jesus as our high priest, there's now a new way to come into the presence of God. Before, it was only this limited access reserved only really for the Jewish high priest. But now all believers have total access. And that's the title of our message this morning, Total Access access total access we're going to be studying hebrews chapter 7 from verse 11 through 19 this morning chapter 7 11 through 19 now i've broken our passage up into three sections and this is our outline what is now abandoned what is now ageless and what is now attainable so let's begin here now hebrews chapter 7 number one in our outline what is now abandoned what is now abandoned. Take a look with me here now. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. It reads here, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? Okay, we'll stop right there. Now, as we begin here, we begin with this word, therefore. And remember, that connects us. That conjunction word connects us, and it connects us to the previous section we saw in chapter 7. Last week, we saw Jesus, our high priest, is not part of that Levitical priesthood written here in verse 1. He is not, verse 11, he is not from the line of Aaron, but from, as we've been studying, the order or the priesthood of Melchizedek. 
Now remember we saw last time Melchizedek was the king of Salem, which is Jerusalem, also a priest, we find in Genesis 14, of the Most High God. And in that story back in Genesis 14, we saw last time that Abraham acknowledged that Melchizedek was a king greater than him, a priest greater than him by giving him a tithe and also receiving a blessing that Melchizedek gave to them. So we saw all of that in our last section. We referred back to Genesis 14. So the writer showed us last time Melchizedek is a type of Christ, being that he's king and priest. And then thus Christ is unlike Aaron and all the other Jewish priests. Jesus is greater than all. And that was the title of our message last time. Greater than any priest, great, superior than any high priest at all. For God did a totally different thing when he made Jesus our high priest. Bruce Barton in his commentary said, Melchizedek was not the final priest, neither was Aaron. Christ became the perfect final priest. He is the one who allows us to follow him as he enters God's presence. So I say all this to help you understand what therefore is and how it connects. But I want you to understand that Jesus is the one who gives us total Axis, thus our title for our message today. And that is what the writer is leading the Jewish believers that he's writing to, to see that very fact. Okay, so the writer says here, first word in verse 11, therefore. In light of all this, in light of all that we talked about, about Jesus our high priest being different, he says, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, that is, if being able to be made right with God and have access to him was through the Jewish priests, which, by the way, the writer says, is what the law of Moses requires for people to approach, to God, to approach God. That's what we see in the Old Testament. Then the writer says, hey, what further need is there for another priest to come who is according to the order of Melchizedek? And what is there to, uh, and what need is there to not have a priest come through the order of Aaron? In other words, the question here is if the Jewish priesthood could have brought access to God in salvation, why did God provide another priesthood which Jesus came through? That's what the writer's putting forth here in this first verse we're looking at. Well, the answer is because the old system could not give access to God. Access is only through Jesus. Now understand as the Jewish believers are reading this, this truth was important for them to hear. The writer wanted them to really understand this because there was pressure on them, remember? There's pressure for on these believing Jews to go back to their rituals, go back to their customs, go back, leave Jesus and get back to where, where they grew up, how, how it was for them when they were under the legalistic rules of the Old Testament. The Judaizers, remember they were those guys in the New Testament going around with false doctrine. They were actually saying, hey, you just add Jesus to your Jewish religion to be saved. You just, you just add, add Jesus to that, but you still got to go temple. You still got to do the sacrifices. You still got to observe all the feasts and celebrations. But the offering of sacrifices by the priests you know what? Only covered the sin. It never removed it. It had, this sacrifice had to be a constant offering and for the atonement of sin. And there was no total forgiveness, so there was no real 
access to God. Now, the purpose of the Levitical priesthood was to reconcile men to God through these sacrifices, but it only went so far. It was limited in its, its effect. The Levitical priesthood could not provide that total access to God. Matter of fact, we know, right? I've been teaching you and showing you many times that the only one high priest once a year could enter the holiest holies in the temple and remember in the holiest holies that place was where god's presence was where they looked at that no one else could go in there only the high priest once a year so the old system had a very limited access now this is even though god was the one who set up the levitical priesthood and that's what the writer refers to in verse 11 well you know it was according to moses law but it was designed to be a temporary system that pointed to Jesus, the Messiah, who would come and be the one sacrifice, the one atonement, atonement to die once for all. What the old system could not do, Jesus did. Jesus accomplished. The old system was only a picture of the reality in Jesus. So the old system is what is now abandoned. And that's our heading in our outline. What is now abandoned. Why? Because there's a new way has come. A new way through Jesus. And, and that's this new way. Remember, Jesus said in John fourteen six, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say, well, I am the way along with the sacrifices. Well, I am the way along with the priests going in there sprinkling blood in the holiest of holies for atonement of sin. No, he says, I am the way. Me, I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm not saying this. That's what Jesus said out of his own mouth. So the writer is making this point here in our first verse we're looking at. If the ceremony and rituals were all you needed, then God would not have sent Jesus. That's what verse 11 means. If the ceremony and all the Jewish rituals were all you needed, then God would not have sent Jesus. That, that would have been fine what they were doing. But, as I mentioned, this was only a temporary thing that God wanted them to do to point to Christ to point to that one day Christ would be the sacrificed lamb to take away all the sins of the world you know a few months months few months back I, I had to get some dental work done and praise the Lord I didn't have to get a root canal it got really close but I did have to get like filling and, and a crown made actually two crowns yeah I know too much candy and all that stuff well so um, what the dentist had to do at first, uh, before, you know, the real crown uh, was made, they made a mold, right, of what they needed to make. And so with my first crown, they made a mold, and the dentist then after that put a temporary crown in there. I'm sure you guys had that. They put that in place while the real crown was being made. So that's what I had in my mouth on my teeth. Now, the dentist warned me not to eat anything hard or not to chomp down real hard because he told me to be careful. It could crack that temporary crown, right? And even be careful when you floss because you don't want to like, whoop, boop, and, you know, whoo, it goes flying, you know, out of my mouth. Well, I'll tell you, I was really 
glad when I finally got the real crown put in. I was happy I didn't have to worry about how I ate or what I'm eating. Well, that's similar to what the writer is saying here. The old system was not designed for permanent forgiveness. It was a temporary way to get by until Jesus came. And so if the old system was inadequate, we would not, I mean, if it was adequate, we would not need Jesus then. So that's what the writer is trying to put forth here and put even into our minds. The Lord is saying, hey, if the ceremony and rituals were all you needed, then you know what? God would not have sent Jesus. But you know what? He did. He did. Because we need Jesus. Let me ask you, you know, maybe you're not so clear on what Jesus has really done for you on the cross. I mean, are you still thinking that you got to do something? you got to be good. you got to good things to have that place in heaven. Perhaps even after you've come to Jesus, you, you understand. I mean, you, you get a grasp of this. Jesus died for my sins and, and through the cross, I, can, I know I can go to heaven. But then after a while, you, you tend to drift back into maybe the way you grew up. Maybe you grew up in some ritualistic church and maybe it was even the Catholic church. Maybe it was a church that seemed to push performance more than Jesus' provision. And we tend to drift back into, well, I know I'm saved by Jesus, but I got to do something. So, so I'm, I'm good with God. I talk to Christians I, and, and we'll be talking fellowship and talking story and, and all of a sudden out of their mouth will, will be, well, I really hope I'll make it into heaven. And I'm thinking, wait, 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 hope? What do you mean? Yeah, well, I, I hope I'm good enough. I, I, I hope I'm, I'm doing the right thing so I can make it into heaven. But I'm thinking, wait, wait, if you're a believer, if you understand the truth in God's word, you don't have to think like that. We have assurance in Christ that it's no more these sacrifices. It's no more, oh, we got to go through this priest or, or we got to do confession all that. No, we have Jesus now. No more sacrifices. And that's what the writer is trying to put forth to these Jewish believers. Don't drift back like that. Understand what Jesus has done. And he's trying to build this bridge by talking about how Jesus is our high priest. Now understand, see, as long as they held on to the rituals and relied upon their works and the sacrifices, so to speak, they would never be able to truly be free of sin. And they will never truly have that access to God that they desire in their heart. Understand that now, you guys. Make it clear in your mind. If the ceremony, if the was all the sacrifice were all you needed, then God would not have sent Jesus. But he did. But he did, you guys. All right, well, let's go on to number two. What is now ageless? Total access we have because, number one, what is now abandoned. And now, number two, what is now ageless? Hebrews chapter 7, look at verse 12 now. It says, For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. We'll stop right there. Okay. Now, because God sent Jesus as our high priest from another priesthood, then he says here, it was of necessity or it was necessary to what? To change the law. Now, that refers to, to the required ceremonies, the required rituals, the required sacrifices and all that. In the Old Testament, that's what I'm calling the old system. Take note here. 
the Greek word for change, right here what we're reading in this verse, means to put one thing in place of the other. That means the new priesthood of Melchizedek was not added to Aaron's, but replaced it. That means that though Christianity came from Judaism, Christianity replaces Judaism. That means faith in Jesus is not added to Judaism. Faith in Jesus is the way to access God. Imagine how radical this must have sounded to the ears of the Jewish believers. Imagine how crazy it must have sounded. No longer are they to put their faith in the sacrifices at the temple. Now their faith is in Jesus. And, and think about that. They were probably so used to bringing the sacrifice. They're so used to, this is the way to atone for my sins. This is the way to get forgiveness. But now they come to Jesus. It's a whole new thing. Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and they're regenerated. They're new creations. But now they start to live their life. They're trying to sort out, well, what do we do? What do we not do? Right? What does God want? What does God not want? How about the temple, our ceremonies, our rituals? What about all that? And the writer's saying, hey, it's not about that anymore. It's about Jesus and what he's done. Oh, I can imagine how, oh, okay, okay, trying to sort all these things out. Maybe that's how we are even in all of this. But understand, our faith is not in our works. Our faith is not in some sacrifice you do. But it is in Jesus, Jesus alone. So don't go backwards here. Paul actually rebuked those going back to the rituals to find that access and, and, and atonement and all. You know what he said in Galatians 3.3? 3, 3? He said, are you so foolish? He wrote, having begun in the Spirit, you now being made perfect by the flesh? It was the Spirit that changes us. It's the Spirit that makes us new creations through Jesus Christ. But then what do we do? Oh, we try and be good and righteous before God by works? That's what Paul is saying. What are you doing? Going back to the flesh to try and do things when Christ did it all and he made you righteous because you died on the cross, uh, because he died on the cross for your sins and now his righteousness is your righteousness. Look now in Hebrews uh, 7.13. The writer goes on and says, for he, for he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. Verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. So the writer's really saying this. We find clear evidence of this change or this replacement in how Jesus, the Messiah, came. Jesus belongs to another tribe that has never officiated at the altar. They were never priests. The Lord came from where? The tribe of Judah, right? As prophesied in much of the Old Testament. And that tribe has never been called to do the duties of a priest. So Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood of that Judah, that, you know, that they were to do that. They were never mentioned to be priests. That's what the writer's saying here. But this new priesthood now is not based on those previous qualifications. That's what the writer's trying to get into the mind. There is a change in priesthood from the old. No more now from Aaron's line. You know, I was thinking about that while as the writer's trying to put that out, that no, the new way is through Jesus now. That it, Jesus is from, from the priesthood of Melchizedek, not Aaron's way. And he's the final priest. It's this whole different line. And I was thinking about that 
You know what? Today, there are some who are trying to revive the old Aaronic priesthood. Around the end of 2015, scientists in Israel reported that they had found the DNA gene that could trace back a person to Aaron, the first high priest. Amazing, right? With that, now, they can test to see who is fully qualified to actually be a priest in the next Jewish temple. About three months later, the Temple Institute in Jerusalem opened up a training school to teach these priests from the line of Aaron. They, I, I know, I've talked to you about this before, but the Temple Institute, they already have, have studied and recreated the clothes from back then. They already recreated the implements that they use in the sacrifices and all. They, they already have plans, actually, uh, designs and architectural de- designs for the third temple. As you know, there is no temple, right? It was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. But the prophecy in Revelation says that there will be a temple, that there will be sacrifices going on. And look, this temple institute and other guys, they believe a third temple will be built. And part of that is to get the official priests they are the only ones who could, who could give the sacrifices and handle the ministry in that aspect. They're the only ones, a high priest that can go into the holiest of holies. Isn't that crazy? They're trying to revive this, this Aaron line of, of um, priests now. Oh, this is exactly what's been prophesied in the book of Revelation. And I mean, that makes me excited, actually, reading stuff like, oh, the Lord's coming soon. But the writer here is saying what? No need. No need anymore. There is a new high priest, and his name is who? Jesus. That's right. Okay, then in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 15, he goes on and he says, And it is yet far more evident, if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest, verse 16, who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless Life. Interesting. Verse 17. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, let's try and understand this. I know, you know, even last week and this week, this chapter is a difficult chapter, but hopefully you could follow along and, and understand these principles that God is putting forth from his word. So in this section, the writer adds that even more evident and clear that God has brought another priest who is more like Melchizedek, and that's who he's been talking about. He's saying that, hey, so like him, Jesus is a priest not according to the law of the fleshly commandment. In other words, it's not meeting those physical requirements of being of the line of Aaron. But Jesus is this. He's qualified by what? It says here, by his power of an endless life. Jesus is our, and we've been talking about this, our eternal high priest. And you know why? Because he's God. That's why. Because Jesus is God. And he, he does what no priest could ever do, being that he's God, being that he's in that position now. His position, his power, and his ability is endless, you guys. Endless. That's that power that is endless. And then, you know what? The writer says, God had all of this plan because it was prophesied and he quotes Psalm 110 verse 4. You are a priest forever, eternally, according to the order of Melchizedek. According to this new way, not the Aaron way, but this new way. So the idea the writer's putting forth is the Aaronic priesthood is 
obsolete. It's done now. Jesus is eternal, so he is completely different from what you might be thinking of this line of the old Levitical priesthood. Notice here in verse 15 where it says, another priest. This word another in the Greek is heteros, which means uh, of a different kind. There's another Greek word, alos, and that they, they'll be translated another, but it means another of the same kind. But this is another of a different kind. So the writer specifically uses heteros to communicate how different Jesus is. Jesus has the same label, like the title is the priest, but other than that, he is completely different. His priesthood, because he's eternal, his priesthood is what is now ageless. Ageless. And that's our heading, what is now ageless. John MacArthur wrote this, The hereditary Levitical priesthood, typical, temporary, and imperfect, was changed and replaced by Jesus. Uh, Jesus' Melchizedek-like priesthood, which was real, eternal, and perfect. So what is the writer saying here? Well, this is the point. With his endless power and his endless position, Jesus is the perfect high priest. With his endless power and his endless position, position, Jesus is the perfect high priest. I don't know about you, that's good to know. That's good to know that, that we have a high priest that is flawless, godly, perfect, holy and righteous you know when the fcc opened up a window for us to be able to launch our radio station uh to take applications actually i called calvary chapel honolulu and i talked to them uh, one of the guys i know and i asked who did they use because we need a lawyer to apply for our broadcasting license well they put me in touch with a lawyer that is not here in hawaii but right there in washington dc right near the fcc offices So we hired him. Uh, He worked with our radio engineer, filled out all the necessary paperwork, got information from us. He went back and forth with the FCC. He knew exactly what we needed to do to apply for this LPFM license, a low-powered FM license. And he asked the right questions, and he knew how to deal with the FCC. He knew what to, how to you know, handle it all and, and everything. And so he, he was great. He was actually perfect for us. What's the results? Well, you can hear it on 101.3, the Living Word Radio, right? God, God put it all together through him. He was the perfect mediator you can say for our radio station this lawyer was very professional uh you know he 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 helped us he was right there he did everything we had no problems with him he was perfect well that's jesus you guys he is our perfect mediator he's perfect jesus does not have any human flaws i mean think about some of the jewish priests did right uh some of them they were not godly some in the Old Testament, what? They had drinking problem, remember that? Some in the New Testament, we saw, we read, Jesus battled these guys. They were into power. They are into the money. They weren't for the people. They were in for themselves. They really shouldn't have been holding that office. But you know what? Jesus is the perfect high priest. He is, you guys. Know this. Jesus is the perfect high priest. He's perfect 
and holy. He's perfectly righteous. He can do you no wrong. He doesn't have ulterior motives. He doesn't try and take something from you. He mediates for you perfectly. He is perfectly for you, not against you. And you know what? He loves you perfectly. He loves you perfectly. I like that thought. I like to know that my high priest loves me in a perfect way. And you know what that means? That means you can totally trust him. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him to come to him with your sins and confess that he'll forgive you. You can trust him that he's working in your life. He's not against you. He's trying to help you. Let me ask you, why are you running from him then? Why do you feel like you can't come to him? Why do you keep yourself at this distance away from him? You think he's going to come down and punish you and, and wipe you out? No, he wants to forgive you. He's not there to condemn you. He'll bring conviction to the Holy Spirit upon you because he wants you to feel guilty enough to come to the cross and find healing, find forgiveness, take away that guilt, free you from that burden, from that bondage. That's Jesus, you guys. But sometimes we distance ourselves from God. Oh, we yearn for God. We want to be close to Him. We really do because inside God is reaching out to you and inside every one of us, you guys, is this is this yearning, a hole for Jesus. And we want to fill that hole. We try and fill it with other things. So only Jesus can fill that hole. So we have this yearning. Yet, we don't feel like we're worth, worthy of it. Or we don't understand these things. And we're like, well, I don't, I'll stay here on the outside. But Jesus is saying, come, come close, you guys. I'm your perfect high priest. I want to forgive you. I want to heal you of those things that are keeping you from me. That's what the Lord is saying. That's what God is saying to you right now. When he's your personal high priest, he's the one that will really, really save you. He's the one who's done everything for you, right? So why not come close? Don't think he won't accept you. Don't think, well, I don't know if God could love someone like me. No, understand, He's the one who died for you. He died for me. He died for all of us. When He was on the cross, He had you in mind. All your sins. And He's calling you to Himself. He's saying, come, I died for you. I want to accept you. I, want, I made the way so you can come to me. You guys out there who are running, stop running. Stop staying at that distance. This high priest, Jesus, is your perfect, eternal, and powerful, loving Lord. And you know what? In his heart, in his mind, what he wants for you is good things, is great things. He wants to help you. Listen to what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. And we get a peek into God's heart and his mind. 29.11, Jeremiah says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil 
to give you a future and a hope. That's Jesus. That's our high priest. Well, let's move on here now to number three, a third and final heading in our outline, and it is what is now attainable. What is now attainable? We have total access because what is now abandoned and what is now ageless and now what is now attainable. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18. For on the one hand, the writer says, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. And stop right there, we're going to pause. Now the writer says, take a look at things here, maybe in a logical way. On one hand, with the old system, there is this annulling. It means that it's been set aside, it's been abandoned, it's been done away. Well, why did God do that? He's talking about the old system. Because of its weakness, he's saying here. In other words, it couldn't empower anyone to live a godly and spiritual mature life. I mean, think about the legalism of the old ways and old law. It did not help them to really obtain a godly life, only to a certain point. And most of the time, people kept failing. It couldn't empower anyone to live a godly and spiritual mature life. It was done away because of, and then he says, unprofitableness. It was useless, in other words, in bringing lasting forgiveness and freedom from guilt and sin. So in the end, the writer says, the law made nothing perfect. The word means complete, mature, fulfilled. It, it, it couldn't do that. In other words, this old system did not bring anyone salvation and true access to God. The old system didn't help in completely solving the sin problem. Writing about this law and its rituals and the Jewish customs, Thomas Lee in his commentary wrote, it was merely a diagnostic tool. It was useless because it could not provide a constant means of access to God. And I like that. The law was this diagnostic tool. In other words, it was there to show us what sin is. The law showed us how we sin and, and where we fell short, but it didn't really say how to get back to God. Through the law, we learn what sin is. But then, like Paul said in Galatians 3.24, that the law was a tutor. It was a teacher that leads us to find salvation in Jesus. It, it showed us what sin is, and then it points us, it leads us into our need for a Savior. And that's what Jesus, that's Jesus, and that's what he's done on the cross. So the old system really could not bring us to salvation. Then lastly, the writer says this at the end of verse 19 here in Hebrews chapter 7. He says, on the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. How sweet is that? He's going to expound even more of that draw near to God, even more so as we get into Hebrews. So on one hand, he says, we see the old system. It's limited and it's inadequate. But on the other hand, he says, the new priesthood of Jesus is bringing in a better hope. A hope in Jesus. And in this hope, we can be confident that through Jesus, we can now, we can, at the end of verse 19, draw near to God. Listen, this is both God's ultimate desire for us and the believer's ultimate desire, too, to be near to God. 
Judaism limited was limited it limited this to just the priests, right? Only the priests going. Jesus opened this up to everyone. Judaism had you go through the priests. Jesus is not just our priest, but he is God himself. Judaism kept God at a distance, but Jesus brings God right to you. Now we can draw near without any fear, and this is what is now attainable, our last heading. For Jesus, our Savior, is our mediator. Jesus is the one who brings us straight to the Father. Now, remember how I've been mentioning how only the high priest could enter through the veil, right, that separated the holiest holies and the inner part of the temple. Only the high priest, matter of fact, the inner temple, only the priest could go in there. And only once a year, the high priest can go in through that veil. No one else, only him. But you know, remember, the moment Jesus died on the cross, what happened? We read in Mark 15, 38, then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I could picture going, I mean, think about how loud that must have sounded. Some say it was as thick as a phone, phone book, the old yellow pages phone book. And think of that ripping just all of a sudden. Think about the priests who were ministering there. And all of a sudden, Jesus died and, and dies. And then, 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 as the scripture says, the, the, the curtain, the veil, just torn in half. And think about the sound it made and what a shock it was to the priests who were in the inner temple that they could look right through into the holy place where all these years, only one appointed high priest could look in. Only one guy. Once a year. And now they're looking into the holy place. It says here in Scripture that it literally tore from top to bottom. I think that was, that was God. He didn't go bottom to top. He went from top to bottom to show, you know what, that's me doing this. God took his hands and went, yeah, and ripped it open. Why? Because now there's total access, you guys. Any believer at any time can now go into the presence of God. So our last point is this. The old system could never truly save, but Jesus came, and now every believer can draw near. The old system could never truly save, but Jesus came, and now every believer can draw near. He is that high priest that brings us into the presence of God. I read about a little boy in London. He wanted to visit the king. However, the gates were closed and he could not get into the palace. The guard told him he could not come in. Suddenly, this well-dressed man came along, asked the boy what was going on, and the boy said, I want to see the king. The gentleman said, well, you just come with me. And he took the boy's hand and led him to the king. As they went there, the guards even sprang to attention, presented their arms as they passed by. You know what? Come to find out, the little boy had taken hold of the hand of the Prince of Wales, the king's own son. And that's what gave him access. That's us, you guys, with Jesus. Do you see now what a privilege we have in Jesus? 
Do you see now that you, yes, you, you can draw near and go into the presence of the creator of the universe, the sovereign, powerful God, the holy and righteous one, the almighty Lord God. How is that even possible? Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and now we can be forgiven. We can be made right with God and be able to draw near. Listen, you guys, what we're learning, what we're seeing in this passage today is a foundation to our faith. It's a foundation to our life with God. It's a foundation to our walk and our growth in Him. If you don't have this foundation, you're going to be like limping in your walk with the Lord. But when you understand the amazing, powerful truth of this, you're going to start running with the Lord. You're going to start soaring with God. You're going to find a relationship like you never experienced before. Some of you have this certain uh, uh, perception or way you think about what a Christian is or how I should live and all that. But, but where are you now? Are you growing? Have you conquered sin? Have you found victory? Do you feel close to God? Do you sense His presence every day? If not, maybe there's a flaw in your thinking of what it really means to be a Christian. Why we live the way we do. Why we follow the Word. Why that's important. Maybe there's a little flaw in trying to understand this, that we are able to draw near to God because of Jesus We don't have to make those sacrifices. We don't have to do those things. Jesus already did it. We just need to receive it. We just need to receive the forgiveness. We just need to accept them in our heart. Let them do that work in us and change us. Let me close with this. Um, Maybe you caught this on the news recently. Uh, Last month in Rome, a sacred staircase was uncovered and opened for the first time in 300 years. The 28 steps of the Scala Santa, or the Holy Staircase, had been encased in wood since 1723. For the first time, the wood has been removed. The marble steps underneath were restored along with the intricate 16th century frescas, the art art on the walls and the ceiling around and above the staircase. Now, this staircase is believed that Helena, the mother of Emperor Constantine, had the staircase brought from Jerusalem to Rome. If you remember, Emperor Constantine was uh, the Roman emperor who came to Christ, who, who, who got saved and he turned... He tried to t- change the nation to a, a Christian nation, and his mother was saved too. Well, well uh, she brought the staircase to Rome there. This sacred staircase is claimed to be the actual stairs that Jesus climbed to stand before Pilate and then to be sentenced to die on the cross. They actually say there's four places on these stone steps that are encased in a gold frame uh, glass that show what is supposed to be the stains from the drops of Jesus' blood when he climbed up these stairs. So what happened was throughout the centuries, monks and other pilgrims would climb these 28 stairs on their hands and knees and pray as a way to pay for their sins. 
to atone for their sins. Well, for our ears, it probably sounds like, oh, that's crazy, because we studied God's Word. We understand that. We know we cannot atone for our own sins no matter how many times we climb the Scala Santa. You can never atone for them. Did you know in 1510, on those very stairs, Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, that's where he got saved? He had been reading and studying, actually teaching the book of Romans, and he, he, he couldn't get Romans 117 out of his head. Romans 117 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that is, it is as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Well, Martin Luther, he was this monk, he was this priest in the Catholic Church. He was there to pay his penance. He did his yearly trip. As a matter of fact, um, uh, they thought that if you did this also, not just for yourself, you can pay for the sins of your relatives who had died and are sitting in purgatory. And there's nothing in the Bible about that. So here's Martin Luther at this time, and he's climbing these steps. As he made his way up those stairs, on his hands and on his knees, he kept meditating on Romans 1.17. And he kept saying to himself, The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Then suddenly, halfway up, a light went on in his heart, and he saw Jesus for the first time, that Jesus died for my sins. I don't need to do this. He paid the price. He died on the cross for my sins. He, he makes me righteous, not me. And right then and there, he gave his heart to Jesus, and he was really saved. He's truly saved. You know what he did? He got up midway, turned around, walked down the, the steps, and never returned again. Listen, as Martin Luther discovered, we must discover and understand. It is not what... I do, but it is what Christ has done. And with that, we don't need some earthly priest or earthly mediator. We don't need to do these things or sacrifices and ceremony and all that. But we need only one, and that's Jesus Christ, who is the one who gives us total access. Amen? Let's pray. Let's stand and let's pray. Lord, as we come before you and God, these are just amazing truths to me. Amazing because I know I have in the past get caught up in all this work stuff and have gotten caught up in trying to please you and thinking, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll make it to heaven or may, maybe you'll, be, you'll give me a good day if I do something for you. If maybe I read my Bible more or, or, or I'm, I'm nice to my family or, or I, if, if, if I do stuff to atone for my sins and something that I've done wrong, God, that maybe you'll look upon me and love me. But God, we are mixed up when we do that. I was, I know. Lord, help us to see you for who you are. For you are our Lord and Savior. You are the one through your incredible, deep, and wide love died on the cross for us and made the way now that we can be forgiven, we can be cleansed, we can be healed, we can be freed, and we can draw near to you. I thank you, Jesus, so much for that. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who may have been struggling in these areas and, and, and may be struggling in their life and their sin and maybe from past things, 
Maybe wondering if God would really forgive them. Maybe they've been carrying this guilt and it's been a bondage for years and years. Maybe the hurt and pain and the regret from that has been like a big weight upon them that they could never, ever get rid of. But Lord, you can do it. You can do it right now. Lord, you are our God. And you died for us. And you have the power. And that power will save us. The power will free us. And, and that power, Lord, will give us the life, Lord, that you want us to have. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning that may be caught up in that. They know they need you, Lord. And you're calling to them right now. I want to give you a chance right now. Keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. And if, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, or if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, or maybe this is you. you you've been just, just holding on to this thing all your life because you don't know if God can help you or you don't know if God can forgive you or you don't know if, 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 if it's really possible. Know this, God can, and this is the time to give your life to the Lord. This is the time to come to the cross and find forgiveness and to confess your sins and turn from that and repent and, and receive Jesus into your heart. If you want to do this this morning, if you want to receive Jesus, just put your hand up and hold it up there and let the Lord know right now. Put your hand up right now if you want to receive Jesus. Maybe you're here and you need to rededicate your life to him. Put your hand up and say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to rededicate my life to you right now. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Maybe you're here and, and, and you have been struggling with these things and you have been putting works and doing something that, that in place of what Jesus has done. And you know now that that's not right. I need to put faith in you. Put your hand up and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you now. Trust what you've done and what, not what I do. Anyone here? Lord, I pray for those who raise their hands and those who haven't but are, are wanting you more and more. And I pray for all of us, God, that we, we need you. We want you more, God. One thing I desire of the Lord to seek you, God, in your temple. Lord, I thirst after you as the deer pants after the water. God, I want to choose you and live for you and nothing else, God, today. And I want, Lord, not to live for myself or try and do things to please you, but to be totally in faith, trust in what you've done. God, I pray for all of us that we would grasp this truth put it into our hearts and live it out thank you jesus for the cross thank you for who you are in your name amen let's worship the lord